Hey, all my podcast friends, welcome back to another episode of Fin Weekly, where I provide weekly updates on what's happening in the world of finance and the economy. My name is Steve Coffrin, and today is Wednesday, October 25th, 2023, and we have a lot to cover, so let's go ahead and jump in right now. First up, in this week's market update, Wall Street grappled with a touch of turbulence as the bond market stirred up some uncertainty. Specifically, we saw the S&P 500 navigate through its longest five-day slide this year, but still closing above the critical 4,200 support level. On the flip side, the NASDAQ 100 outperformed with tech giants like Microsoft and NVIDIA demonstrating impressive resilience. Now, how do we explain what's happening? The roller coaster ride can largely be attributed to the Federal Reserve's anticipated interest rate hikes and increased government bond sales to cover their deficits. So while the bond market experiences some heightened volatility, it's important to remember that uncertainty is a natural part of financial markets. The good news is that in the face of rising interest rates, the equity risk premium represented by the S&P 500's earnings yield relative to the 10-year rate remains relatively stable. If we zoom out, historical expectations of a 10-year treasury rate above 6.5% tipping the balance might not hold true in our current economic landscape because it's possible that the stock market will weather this storm without a major setback. If you're wondering if it's a good time to start investing, my take-home message is this. Regardless of when you start, when investing in companies, it's crucial to assess their financial health, competitive position, management team, growth prospects, and valuation to make informed decisions and manage your risks effectively. And on the whole, by staying informed about market trends, conducting thorough research, and considering your investment time horizon, you can create an investment plan that is rigid and resilient. If you missed it, I did a live masterclass last week called Investing in Stocks. You can go to byfiq.com, and if you navigate under resources, you'll find the masterclasses there. I highly recommend that you check out this masterclass called Investing in Stocks if you're interested in the market because I will walk you through exactly what you need to know to get started when you're investing in financial assets such as equities. Okay, and since we're on the topic of treasuries, the recent surge in the 10-year treasury yield breaking the 5% barrier for the first time in 16 years marks a significant turning point in the financial landscape. This spike is closely linked to the Federal Reserve's strategy, which involves maintaining higher interest rates and even contemplating further rate hikes should concerns about inflation arise. This shift in the Fed's monetary policy is a key driver behind the rising yields. We've recently seen the Fed has signaled its intent to maintain elevated interest rates, but say they remain open to hiking rates if the economy's resilience raises concerns about inflation. Why though? Well, to finance growing budget deficits, the U.S. government is increasingly selling bonds. As a result, bond investors are being asked to purchase a larger quantity of treasury notes and bonds. This surplus of bonds, coupled with the Federal Reserve's consistent rate hikes and balance sheet reduction, has led to the evident upswing in yields. Now, because the U.S. budget deficit has expanded, and has expanded significantly, you should keep in mind, partly due to rising interest costs, and the Fed is not fully replacing maturing treasuries on its balance sheet, this situation is expected to result in an estimated increase of $1.5 to $2 trillion in outstanding debt for 2024, compared to about $1 trillion this year. Okay, our deficit is growing at an exponential rate here, folks, so you should be very aware of that. 
Here's the part that matters though. What does all this mean for individual investors in the broader economy? Unfortunately for regular folks, higher yields translate to increased borrowing costs, affecting mortgages and loans, meaning it might be time to diversify and explore possible new investment avenues at this time. On the broader economic scale, the rising yields may act as a check on economic growth, something the Federal Reserve welcomes to counter rising inflation. Mortgage rates have already climbed, making debt servicing costlier, and stock market fluctuations tied to higher yields can dampen consumer and business confidence. In a nutshell, the 10-year Treasury yield surpassing 5% is a major milestone with widespread implications. It's crucial to navigate this changing landscape with open eyes and understand the intricate interplay of interest rates, economic factors, and the Fed's policies. Now keep in mind, as interest rates increase, the government has a ton of debt. So therefore, their debt servicing as well increases, which requires them to issue more bonds to cover the deficit, which then creates more inflation. Okay, so we are really in a tricky situation here, folks, and you should keep your eyes on what's happening in this space. In other big news, the asset management industry, which oversees an impressive $100 trillion dollars, is also in some hot water as of this week, marked by significant fund outflows and the possible end of a prolonged bull market. When we zoom in, the reality is that about 90% of asset managers' profits since 2006 have relied on market upswings rather than new inflow from client acquisition. And if the proverbial penny hasn't dropped yet, let me clarify, the result is a precarious situation, especially if we're expecting another bear market soon. See, traditional mutual funds have lost ground to cost-effective passive alternatives, which now constitute about half of U.S. mutual funds and ETF assets. And because we've seen interest rates rise consistently over the last several quarters, cash has become the more attractive investment option. For context, prominent firms like T. Rowe, Franklin, and Invesco have experienced a combined exodus of more than $600 billion in client funds since 2018. That's a lot of money. Trending instead towards cost-effective passive strategies. So what do I mean here? When you think about it, mutual funds, and I talked about this in my masterclass called Investing in Stocks, mutual funds are actively managed and therefore they command higher fees. Compared to ETFs and other index funds, that have much lower fees. So investors are looking at actively managed mutual funds and they realize that they're not beating the market like they should based on the higher fees that they're paying. So therefore, they're focusing more on index funds and taking more of a passive strategy. So this trend obviously impacts money managers and financial advisors. Even industry leader BlackRock hasn't remained untouched, seeing clients withdrawing a net $13 billion from long-term investment funds over the last three months through September. The big takeaway here is that this trend underscores a pivotal shift in investment preferences, which I just alluded to, with passive investing gaining substantial ground due to its cost effectiveness. Beyond finances, the asset management industry's performance has global economic repercussions too, and how it adapts can influence economic stability, impacting job markets, stock prices, and overall financial security. Despite the challenges, asset management firms led by a new generation of CEOs seek innovative ways to stay ahead of this ever-changing landscape. And in my opinion, when the rules are changing so rapidly, that's the safest move to help you stay in the game. Next up, 
it's no secret that a growing number of American car owners are facing the highest delinquency rates on their auto loans in nearly 30 years. The culprit? Rising interest rates that are making new car loans more expensive. These financial challenges come at a time when the broader economy is showing mixed signals, especially when it comes to consumer spending. Fitch Ratings recently reported in September a staggering 6.1% of subprime auto borrowers were at least 60 days behind on their loans, marking the highest rate since they started collecting data back in 1994. Now, what's the big picture here? These high delinquency rates tell a story of financial strain for many Americans, which in turn indicates potential challenges for consumer spending. When people find it hard to meet their car payments, it often means they have less money to spend on other things like shopping, dining out, and leisure activities. This, of course, has a ripple effect on local businesses and the job market. If you are a member of the Academy, of the Boosting Your Financial IQ Academy, you will know from level 1.0 when we talk about macroeconomics, consumer spending makes up about 70% of the U.S. economy. So when consumer spending drops, the overall economy gets a cold. For those of you who are dealing with these financial hurdles, it's crucial to be proactive. Start by taking a good look at your financial situation. Know your income, expenses, and debt. Create a budget to help you manage your finances wisely. And if you're struggling with debt, it might be worthwhile to consider a loan restructuring or temporary payment reduction to help ease the pressure. In these uncertain economic times, it's vital to know how to adapt when you need to and prepare for potential changes in the financial landscape. And most importantly, to look after your financial well-being. This is a time to get your financial house in order, in other words. That's what I'm saying. And make sure you're putting aside money and you're paying yourself first. I always say that. Pay yourself first. Put money aside. Transfer money into a savings account or an investment account so you can start planning for your future. And when markets dip, which they will dip, I mean, markets are cyclical. When they do dip, you'll be sitting on cash or assets which will enable you to go out there and invest for your financial future. Up next, Jamie Dimon, the CEO of JPMorgan Chase, has thrown some serious shade at central banks over his thoughts about our economic future. This week, while speaking at the Future Investment Initiative Summit, he reminded us how central banks got their financial forecast utterly wrong not too long ago. According to him, this should give us all pause to reflect on their otherwise rosy outlook for next year. Diamond isn't entirely convinced that central banks and governments around the world are fully equipped to handle the economic consequences of rising inflation and slowing global growth. He even shrugged off the idea that further interest rate hikes would be a game changer, noting that it's time to brace ourselves for potential fluctuations. Ray Dalio, the CEO of Bridgewater Associates, also chimed in on the same panel with a gloomy forecast for the global economy in 2024, citing a slew of risks, including sky-high public debt and ongoing global conflicts. So, what's the takeaway from all this? It's a reminder that we need to be cautious and realistic about our expectations. Central banks may not have all the answers, and economic challenges are ever-present. As investors and businesses chart their course in the complex environment, it's crucial to stay adaptable, prepared for unpredictability, and considerate of the global issues that could impact our financial landscapes. And last but not least, I've already mentioned them a few times today, but BlackRock, the world's largest ETF issuer, is re-entering the target date investing arena with a twist, this time using exchange-traded funds, also known as ETFs. 
they've introduced a suite of 10 funds that gradually shift investments into safer assets as investors age. These new ETFs cover retirement dates from 2025 to 2065, filling a gap in the markets as they are the only target date strategy available in the ETF wrapper. Interestingly, this move comes approximately a decade after BlackRock seized its passively managed target date ETFs in 2014. With ETFs now accounting for $7 trillion in assets and the mutual fund industry experiencing outflows like I mentioned earlier, BlackRock aims to tap into the changing landscape. The motivation behind launching these ETFs is also to attract investors beyond company-sponsored retirement plans, as those plans typically use pre-tax dollars and don't require the tax efficiency of an ETF. And perhaps more interestingly, this is an opportunity for BlackRock to reach more investors, especially with the expansion of ETFs into the retail market and zero commissions, making digital access to markets easier than ever. Individually, this offers investors a new option for retirement planning with the potential for tax efficiency. On a broader scale, it reflects the growing influence and popularity of ETFs in retail markets and the changing preferences of investors and regulators in target date strategies. Okay, so there you have it. That's a wrap for Fin Weekly. As I mentioned previously, if you haven't checked out my masterclass that I just put out, it's totally free. It's called Investing in Stocks. You can make your way over to the BYFIQ website, which is byfiq.com, which stands for Boosting Your Financial IQ. Go there, go under resources. You'll see the masterclasses. Check out Investing in Stocks. This is a great masterclass. Okay, I'm a little biased, but it's a great way for you to get started in investing in financial assets. Now, you can't just go out there. I mean, you can, I guess, go out there and invest in stocks without knowing what you're doing, but that's called gambling. If you want to take a more strategic approach, I highly recommend that you check this out. I'll walk you through what you need to know to get started. I'll even show you how you can execute your first trade. So I highly recommend that. Go to byfiq.com if you want to learn more about that. In the meantime, keep educating yourself. Becoming fluent in finance is super critical, okay? Because right now there's a lot of volatility in the market and things are constantly going to be changing and you want to prepare yourself for what's ahead because not because out of fear, but because I want you to be positioned to take advantage of opportunities that come into your life, but you have to know how money works in order to capitalize on such opportunities. Okay, so be well, stay ambitious, and until next episode, cheers. Hey, real quick, if you get value out of this podcast, it would mean the world to me if you would leave us a review. Also, if you want to be featured on the show, send me a recording with your name, your age, where you're from, and your question through a voice note or a video using your smartphone. Then email me the file at hello at byfiq.com. BYFIQ stands for boosting your financial IQ. So once again, it's hello at byfiq.com. If selected, I'll give you a shout out and answer your question for you and the entire community. One last thing, if you want access to additional resources that will help you fast track your path to financial freedom, visit byfiq.com or download our free app in the Apple or Google Play app store today. Thanks again.